Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this episode, we welcome Lieutenant Colonel Kathy Gallowitz, a 30-year Air Force veteran, Vanguard veteran founder and CEO, and the author of Beyond Thank You for Your Service. Welcome, Kathy. Bonjour, Marilyn. Comment ça va? <laughs> thank you for the, the strong start. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's great to be on your show. Uh, thanks for what you do. I'm excited about our topic. So am I. So for the sake of clarity, can you define the term veteran? In the veteran community, it's fairly complex depending upon what kind of benefits you have. But for our purposes, for any of your listeners who I assume mostly are civilian HR professionals, a veteran merely simply is someone who has worn the uniform, be it, you know, one day or 100,000 days. It doesn't matter the term of service. It doesn't really matter whether you've served overseas or not. But clearly, the longer you serve, the more you're indoctrinated with, assimilated the values, the work ethic, and some of the attributes that really help strengthen the civilian workforce. So really, a veteran is someone who's worn the uniform of the United States Armed Services. Interesting. This is a good segue into my next question here. You say that it's a mistake not to hire veterans. Do you find that organizations are reluctant to hiring veterans? No, I do not. And the, the proof in the pudding, shall we say, is that the Department of Labor reports that veteran unemployment is consistently lower than unemployment of civilians. The business case for hiring veterans is clear. Where the challenges come in is that employers have a difficult time often knowing where to find them, how to connect with them, and then understanding military culture. That's really an important component to all this so that you consider military culture when you interview, when you hire, when you assimilate and retain this special talent that will indeed strengthen your workforce. Let's talk a little bit about culture. What culture do veterans work in and how does that apply to the civilian workplace? Well, if I may, I'd like to tell a story about me as a young adult. Interestingly, I was sharing with Marie-Lynne a minute ago that I went to a French-speaking preschool in Paris, France. I graduated from high school in Iceland. I'd lived overseas about eight years before I graduated from college. Before the age of 35, I had lived in at least 20 different communities between growing up as a military dependent or a military kid and my role as an Air Force officer. I spent, in the end of the day, 29 years in the Air Force. But when I was 35, I moved to a small town in the Midwest and really started to understand how different my life had been from mainstream America. Research tells us that about 55% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans feel disconnected from mainstream America because of the distinctions of military culture. What I noticed as a 35-year-old, and it really hit me when a local businessman died from a water, a jet ski accident, and I went to his funeral and I, and I was like, you know, I don't think I've really been to any funerals in my lifetime. 
other than my grandparents. And unfortunately, my mother died very young, went to her funeral. But for community members, I just hadn't been around anybody who died because I hadn't lived anywhere long enough to have relationships with people, you know, like to, to know the lady down the street who might have breast cancer or anybody. And then you think about it, most of the people in the military have to meet physical fitness and health standards in order to be able to serve. And so most of the people I was around were very or younger and, and certainly healthy, or you had to leave military service. So that started my inquiry about, hmm, you know, my life is a little bit different. And it just appeared to me, it seemed to me that I was maybe more outgoing than the average gal or more of a risk taker, maybe certainly very curious and probably independent. But the big things that strike out generally about the differences in military culture is first and foremost, military members are team oriented first. It's not about me. It's about we. There's no I in team. We are heavily focused on the mission. And more often than not, we have a zero fail focus on the mission. We tend to be highly disciplined, resilient, flexible, and adaptable, which is clearly all those things are needed in the civilian workforce. Yeah. You know, we show up on time and we persevere through challenges. Now, all those attributes certainly can be attributed to people who didn't serve in the military, but discipline, teamwork, leadership, and followership are incredibly ingrained in us. Another thing that's ingrained in us is developing your subordinates. We have this saying like, you know, well, what if I go home tomorrow or I'm on my way home, I'm hit by a bus. Who's going to take my place? Our business is very serious. Sometimes people die. So we have to have a bench of people who know how to do their jobs well. And so, you know, we don't bark orders. We lead teams. So Yes, there's an emphasis on authority because it has to be clear as to who, what your job is and who's in charge and what the decision-making process is, okay? Now, we're not robots in that process. We work in dynamic, difficult environments where we have to be adaptable, but that's just ingrained in us. You know, service comes first. And last thing I'll say, is that our core values, our ethos, is a fundamental part of who we are, and we believe in it thoroughly. So that's interesting that you said about needing structure, needing to know who's the boss and who they report to. In some organizations today, in, in startups, there's a tendency to want a flat structure. In other words, not so much of a hierarchy within that organization, how would a veteran thrive in that environment? There is no one cookie cutter veteran, for lack of a better way of saying this. Veterans come from all walks of life, both genders, all socioeconomic classes, and all kinds of interesting ethnic and other kinds of backgrounds. But I think it would be safe to say that maybe some of our younger, junior enlisted people who really aren't that mature yet in knowing who they are, maybe haven't had many leadership experiences, might prefer the, the structure. However, <laughs> I want to caution. We learn leadership and teamwork and operations and mission focus day one in boot camp. 
day one in orientation as, as a military officer. So, you know, working in that flat structure can be challenging for anybody, whether or not you've worn the uniform. I don't want to suggest that veterans will only be successful with a lot of structure because I think with the right coaching and the understanding that they will rise to the occasion because by golly, that's what you got to do when you're in the military. You got to figure it out. You got to get in there, roll your sleeves up and get her done, whether it's a flat structure or an incredibly hierarchical structure. And oh, by the way, when you're adapting, you might need a little bit of support or, you know, feedback. I tell people all the time, give your military veteran employees feedback, give them feedback to help them excel and succeed. So you talked a lot about the qualities that veterans bring to the table, to the desk, if you will. Any downside in hiring veterans? I don't think so. One of the cultural distinctions to potentially consider is that Oftentimes, military people are fairly direct in their communication style. And funny story, my husband is a career active army soldier with four combat tours. And he used to say to me when he'd get frustrated, I don't want to waste good army oxygen because he has a very efficient, get her done, no mess kind of approach. Okay. And that works in some cases, but probably not in most cases in the civilian workforce. The military people need to slow down a little bit. Military members need to shift their, I would suggest communication style. So it's maybe softer or not as efficiency driven, more relationship driven, not to suggest that relationships aren't important in the service because they are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you put that uniform on, we are fine with bluff, bottom line, up front. Not, how you doing today? What's going on? How's your uncle, et cetera. We're, we're just kind of the people like we're ready to get down to business. So in every situation, leadership, relationship is situationally dependent. So... No, it's not a downside to have somebody who's efficient in their work ethic and or has a tendency to be direct and can make hard decisions, but it might need to be tempered. And I think that's part of the feedback that you could give somebody. Are there any programs for veterans to help them transition from oh, military it, to, the, to the civil Yes, uh, ma'am. Yes. So in about 2011 or 2012, I think it was President Obama who said, we are going to overhaul the transition assistance program because it had not been updated for like 20 years. So it's about a four or five day program that really doesn't cut the mustard, really doesn't do the job. But ever since then, we are now offering career transition services earlier and earlier it's recommended that you do it start at least a year prior to leaving service. And we learn how to write resumes and, you know, do some, you know, who am I kind of stuff. And there's a, a capstone project at the end where you pull it all together. You might meet some employers along the way, but I don't think it's really cutting it still. I think most of our service members come out with lots of uncertainty, a lot of maybe some not super clear about who I am, where I want to go, because I'm a leadership development coach. 
and uh, I've had lots of different academic, professional, and personal experiences. And really how I figured out who I am is through these, uh, if you will, almost forced opportunities to figure it out and, and to figure out what I like, what I don't like, and or studying leadership and studying, you know, taking all those tests that you learn about yourself. So it's a process to really figure out who we are and what we want to do. And oftentimes veterans need a little bit extra support. Now, that's what the military does for us. But there's a lot of nonprofits out there that help transitioning veterans. Also, uh, the VA has support for veterans who have service-connected disabilities and might need some retraining or whatever. I mean, it's a great time, Marie Lynn, to be a veteran in the United States of America. The VA is really doing a great job. America loves its service members. And so that's great stuff, but there's still a lot of gaps. And, and I want to transition to a question about HR. Any special consideration HR should be cognizant of when having veterans on staff? And perhaps a second question for you, but one of the perhaps preconceived ideas about veterans for those who are not from the military is that many of them, uh, a large majority of them, may have post-traumatic stress disorder. And so, for the, especially those who were in combat, right? So what are some of the special considerations HR should be cognizant of? And is it true? And how to deal with potential post-traumatic stress disorder? Before I deal with that, if I may give a little bit of backdrop, and that is two primary things before we even talk about PTSD is please learn everything you can about military culture. Okay. There's free online courses available. I also have a course, Vanguard Veteran has a, a, a videotape course, but that's really your starting place. And then learn about military skills translators, because you can identify based on military job, what skills it are well suited through KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities for that particular job. It will jumpstart your hiring and interview process. So let's transition over to PTSD. The VA says that about 20% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, those are the, the job seekers we'll probably see mostly in the workforce, about 20% have PTSD. So what does that mean? 80% do not. It's a myth that people with PTSD are more violent than other people. It's a myth that people with PTSD can't manage their triggers well and live a long, full life. I suggest to any HR person and anybody listening that PTSD is like any other accommodation you would make. Do not be afraid of it. Be aware of how that person is coping. You know, of course, you can't ask them if they have PTSD, but if they're sensitive to loud noises or seeming to isolate seemingly to demonstrate um, reactive behaviors or depressive behaviors, that would be an opportunity for, for you to check in with them. Veterans bring so many skills and attributes to the civilian workforce that I suggest to you that even if you suspect or you think somebody might have PTSD, hire them, help them, help them help you. And it's the best course of action to hire for these attributes and then train veteran talent to do the job. 
We are so used to being trained over and over and over again. And we know how to see one, do one, teach one. We know how to come in, be trained, execute, and perform. So unfortunately, the myth that can be perpetuated from the media about PTSD is sensationalized. 80% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans do not have it. But even if they do have it, they can go to a vet center, not the VA, but a vet center to get counseling, readjustment counseling for them and or their families. And there's all kinds of spiritual kinds of resources as well. Uh, and so don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Wrap your arms around them and welcome them home. By golly, they're doing our nation such a great service. I'll just say it. It's not fair to them to uh, not not help them excel and reach optimum quality of life, frankly, in ways that will also help you and your workforce. Sure. And so we've established the fact that there are assets to organizations. So how can organizations and HR professionals attract them? I believe that everything is local, that relationships, most, most relations are founded on person to person kind of interaction that's kind of shifted with the pandemic and more virtual stuff. But I encourage you to get involved in your local veteran community to distinguish your company as veteran friendly so that the veterans in the community know who you are. That is kind of the first step to developing trusting relationships with this population. Because if 55% feel disconnected already, they're kind of working from behind the eight ball to you know, develop trusting relationships. If you have a uniform on, if there's a veteran in your community, get your veteran out in the community in your existing workforce advocating for your company. Find out where the local sources are of veteran talent. If you can support the family readiness program at the local base, if you can identify a a workforce program, either in your state-run agency, and most of them have it, we're targeted on veterans, maybe in your city, certainly nonprofits, or those that just support Army reservists, National Guard members, Marines. I mean, there's all kinds of them out there. So that's the first step is identifying your sources of talent, getting involved in your veteran community, going out there wearing your shirt loud and proud with your community name on it. And then your messaging on your website. It's really important to have an appropriate United States of America uniform, an appropriate photo and a message that resonates with this population because then these veteran job seekers know that, wow, okay, they want me to apply. What would be um, a message that would attract them? Well, some of the companies have done a really good job or uh, UPS and Amazon. And we talk about things like values, like uh, we, we appreciate your uh, service to our country. Now we want you to come serve us. Or your, your values uh, during your military service are exactly what we need here at our company. And then, you know, give a, give a list of values. Thank them. Uh, try to relate to them. Use the word service and honor and leadership. And we want to help you succeed. Those are some of the things off the top of my, my mind that, I mean, if it's targeted to that group, they will really appreciate that. 
Is there anything else you'd like to add about the value veterans bring to organizations? And perhaps say a few words about your, your book, Beyond Thank You for Your Service. What is it about? I invite everybody who's listening to join the veteran champion movement and be a part of the win. What's that win, you ask? Well, we've talked a lot about how the attributes of military service strengthen the civilian workforce. What I haven't mentioned is there's also research that shows by the American Enterprise Institute 2015 study that veterans have also been found to be civic assets. They are more civic minded, you know, like things like donate, coach the basketball team, uh, vote, help a neighbor and donate to charity. The veterans are more civic assets than their non-veteran counterparts. So it's a win-win when they come into your organization to work. And it's a win for your community to bring them to your community. Absolutely. So let's talk about my book. The title is Beyond Thank You for Your Service, The Veteran Champion Handbook for Civilians. One of the crowning achievements of my military career was to build a statewide outreach office for the Ohio National Guard in response to 9-11. We were educating and engaging civilians in ways to support troops and their families. I now call that engagement cultivating civilian veteran champions. I think that's a, a, a very clear message. Mm -hmm. So my book features about 20 civilians employers, healthcare providers, lawyers, clergy, and just community members, be it the mayor of the city or a neighbor, easy practical things that you can do to become that veteran champion. So I invite you to get it. It's at Amazon. If you like it, I'd appreciate a review. And in closing, I would invite any HR professional to go to my website, vanguardveteran.com, look under veteran hiring, and you will find a veteran ready assessment that you could take for free. And then when you send it to me, I would love to set up a 30 minute consultation to talk about where are you with your veteran hiring program and how can I help you start it? Thanks, Kathy, for your insights on the value veterans bring to organizations. Thank you for asking. And ladies and gentlemen, please do your part to be a part of the win and to fully welcome our service members, veterans, and their families back home, thanking them and going beyond thanking them for all they do for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.